The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and this is the best of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network leading into Chiefs and Steelers in the late afternoon slate on Sunday. We'll start with Out of Structure as the guys take a look at the Chiefs playoff picture. We'll continue around the 13-minute mark with the editor's show, our very marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and the Chargers on Thursday night football. We'll take a quick break, come back with the great British Chiefs show as they take their first look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Show and BK around the 34-minute mark. They believe that this is going to be an Andy Reid game. And we'll finish up around the 42-minute mark with Andrew Filipponi of Pittsburgh Radio as he previews what the Steelers have to do to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a great show ahead. This is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. The Chiefs are the one seed right now. Uh, Patriots and Titans both lose. We should we should kind of, I guess, you, you guys probably know, but the Patriots lost to the Colts on Saturday night. Titans lost to the Steelers on Sunday. Steelers came back from down 13-3. Um, great, on, great on the Steelers. And they're our next opponent, so they kind of helped us out, and, and now we get to, get to see them and thank them in person, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so what about this game, man? I mean – this we gotta we gotta like I said reset ourselves and realize that we just witnessed on Thursday night one of the best games in the Mahomes era maybe even in the Andy Reid era in terms of a regular season game just the drama that ensued the back and forth nature of it the roller coaster you know Chiefs get out to a hot start and the Chargers look like they're gonna pull away and dominate the game you know when Mahomes is is not looking like himself. And then he looks like his like anything but not himself. He looks like his vintage self at the end of the game and, and pulls through. One of the best games of the entire, you know, Mahomes era, Andy Reid era, like I said. Um, Brian, you were watching it. You know, we did the Insta breakdown together. You got the defense. I did the offense. Uh, if you're curious our thoughts, go check that out on airhoodpride.com. But just watching that game, like, how crazy was it? It was a late night for us as, as you know, writers. But how crazy was it watching that game, one of the best in the, you know, in a while? Well, that's the good and the bad part about it is it seems like most of the time when the Chiefs have these regular season games that are classics, they are primetime games where when you're done, you should be getting ready to go to bed, but instead, blood pressure's high, your energy's high, um, especially if they win. And I know I'm speaking for myself here, but it was, it was hard to go to sleep after that game. It was definitely one of the... Um, three or five best 
you know, regular season games since Andy Reid got here. And that's really, you know, I can remember like all those games pretty well. Um, and I think as we look back, especially at the end of the season, it'll be a little more easier uh, to, di- to digest it and, and see it for what it is. Because like you said, with Herbert and Mahomes, especially there's that storyline and, and it really being for the division, uh, it just had so many qualities to it that um, made it something that I don't think any Chiefs fan is going to forget casual or diehard like a lot of us. Yeah, man. No, it was the AFC West title game. I mean, we called it. I, I was calling it that going into the game. It obviously has turned out to be that way. When you think about the Chiefs are pretty much, you know, a, 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 they're, they're pretty much going to win the division. I mean, it's, it's pretty much wrapped up if they take care of business. But then you also think about how if the Chargers would have won, the Chiefs were in a really bad spot in terms of winning the division. They, they really the Chargers have a really easy schedule from here on out. So it was a really important game. And that's how we go into our first game takeaways. We each have a couple initial takeaways from the game. My first takeaway is, is Andy Reid and this Chiefs team, how much they own this division, how much they just completely are just the, the, the big brother. You know, every team in this division is a little brother. You know, the Chargers are coming up and, and they are a good team. Don't get me wrong, but this is exactly why, you know, Andy Reid is, is how good of a coach he is. And I've been calling it for a few weeks, man. You saw Andy Reid saved up his game plan, his best game plan for this game. The Raiders and Broncos games, I mean, you really didn't see a lot of creativity from the offense. You know, a lot of just, you know, I, I, I just, it was just really the basic playbook. That was not the case coming into this game in the, on the opening script, especially. Just all the different ways they were able to get Tyreek and Travis the ball early, at least, you know, specifically Tyreek, I should say. Some of the screen pass, you know, a Michael Burton screen pass, well designed, really well designed and just, and just perfectly executed. Um, just some of the other stuff Andy Reid did, uh, you know, there was a way we got Clyde the ball, you know, on that second drive, uh, you know, it was an angle route from a receiver position. We haven't seen that. Like that is Andy bringing up his, his best stuff for this game. And that's exactly why he's the goat coach. And, and, and he, he outcoached Brandon Staley. I know Staley had a chance to win this game. You know, his offense had chances and we'll talk about that a little more, but man, he Staley just was not able to stop the the offense when he needed to in 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 the fourth quarter and overtime when they needed to stop Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes uh, you know was were able to do it and and so yeah I just I I just can't it, it's crazy how the Chiefs haven't lost a road divisional game since 2017 and that one was the only loss the road divisional loss they've had since the beginning of the 20 or since the middle of the 2014 season so that's one divisional loss in that long it's just ridiculous how much this team's owned the AFC West, Brian. How crazy is it? You hit on all the main points, but one thing that I think about is there are aspects to this that we'll never know, being people that aren't inside those those walls, inside the building. Um, but clearly, Andy Reid, uh, his coaching staff, they have some sort of formula really down to a T where they know how to attack these teams in the division they know how to um, expose their, their greatest weaknesses. And, and I say that, and, and they have lost some division games in the last couple of years, but you have to consider these teams have been building their rosters specifically to beat the chiefs. Their general managers have been, you know, adding players to the draft and free agency to beat the chiefs. And still the payoff really hasn't been seen. They thought it was coming this year. Uh, with the Chiefs sitting at three and four and, and losing to the Chargers early in the year. 
but it, it's not. And here, here we are again, pointing out these stats about how how good they've been on the road, and clearly, you know, sitting in a position where they almost can't blow the division this year. So it'll be six six straight years as division champions, uh, barring a massive collapse. And there's not much more you can say when it comes to how dominant that is. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head, man. Th- these teams are any team in the AFC, honestly, not just a division are trying to beat the chiefs specifically. You see a team like the bills, they are building their, their team to beat the chiefs. And it's actually cost them a few times against teams that aren't built like the chiefs because they're so, you know, wanting to, you know, build to beat the chiefs. But the other part of this coaching mismatch, I mentioned Staley, man, I, he, he outthought himself in my opinion. He blitzed Patrick Mahomes on 38% of Mahomes dropbacks, 19 dropbacks. That was the by far the the largest rate of, of blitz dropbacks Mahomes has faced this year. Well, guess what Mahomes did on those dropbacks? 13 and 19 passing, 9.5 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no sacks, and 112 passer rating. It's just it's just mind-blowing that you would blitz Patrick Mahomes that much. We've seen what happens when, when teams blitz him. If he's such a smart defensive coach, I think that's that's an indictment on him. And that leads us to our second point, Brian is that Mahomes did take advantage of that blitz, right? And he did, you know, come up big because they were blitzing down the stretch more than I feel like earlier in the game. He came up big, a vintage Patrick Mahomes performance. That's your first takeaway. Tell us about the big day from Mahomes. Well, Mahomes kept firing, and I love saying that because that's what he, um, when we watch back a couple years ago, those playoff games when they would be down and trying to make comebacks and, the saying that him and, and Andy Reid would, uh, you know, exchange is, hey, keep firing, keep firing. You know, they're already counting us out of this game. You just got to keep playing because what they think doesn't matter at this point. And I, I feel like earlier in the season and in the last couple of months, mistakes would happen and it almost seemed like he became uh, a little less aggressive, a little more focused on not making those mistakes again. Um I kind of liken it to almost look like he would be aiming the ball sometimes um, where he was trying to throw it. But Thursday night, it wasn't like that at all. And that's why I tweeted out uh, after the game that reminded me the way that I felt watching it was the closest thing to Super Bowl 54 against the 49ers uh, since that game happened because he threw the interception that got tipped up and caught. And of course, you know, the, Chargers defense they made the mistake of going down the field and celebrating early and you kind of felt like oh this is this just doesn't look good I mean the offense had them look good all night and and they were about to go in and score another touchdown the Chargers were but then he got the ball back and he was playing very like it he he was playing loose he he looked like he wasn't worried about okay if I throw another set interception so what you know I've already I've already made a couple mistakes um what's the big deal and so he was just letting it rip. He was taking advantage of those opportunities that the blitz provided. Um, and sometimes it was even just like, you know, I'm, I'm reviewing Lucas Niang and the offensive line and how they per- pass protected uh, right now. And, you, you know, Joey Bosa, sometimes he would get quick pressure off that right side. And they kind of forced Mahomes to, you know, work a little bit of magic and, and, and run out of the pocket and make plays downfield. So, um it, it was just exciting in that way. Like some things you just can't explain. You got to feel them. And as I was watching that game, that, that was a feeling watching him and, and Mahomes and Tyreek and making the plays that we're used to seeing them make. It was just 
kind of different than what we have been getting maybe uh, on a consistent basis in 2021. Yeah, no, I actually wrote about it. I wrote about Mahomes' day and his words and everything. And, and one thing that I've I, I've noted in the article that I found interesting was just that I feel like this game was kind of a microcosm for this season in terms of, you know, the, they start off hot, you know, this season, Hey, the, the offense did start out hot, right? I mean, the offense was good at the beginning of the year. The defense wasn't. So whether they were winning or not, the offense was good. That happened in this game. The offense started off hot 10 points to start the game. Then in that middle stretch, you know, between maybe the second and, you know, the second and third quarter, basically, you know, Chiefs don't look very good at either side of the ball. Honestly, the defense makes some stops, but hey, it wasn't all them. And and we will talk about that a little later. But Chargers kind of helped them out a little bit on some of those, uh, you know, those stops in the red zone. But then at the end, all of a sudden, they're heating up. You're seeing that now. The Chiefs are heating up this season. You know, down the stretch. Well, that's what happened in that fourth quarter, right? Mahomes all of a sudden caught fire. You could just, like you're saying, you could just see him playing more comfortably. You know, I feel like he just he just loves to play in those situations. And yeah, he he's not perfect in them. We've seen him throw game-ending interceptions. We actually against the same team in week 3 saw him throw an egregious interception to basically, you know, uh, put that game away for the Chargers. But all that to say is is yeah, he came, he came out in that fourth quarter. He he found his guys. We saw how many yards Travis and Tyreek uh, you know, put up in that overtime fourth quarter period. Mahomes came out, did his thing. And I just love to see that emotion after the game, too. Uh, I'm sure we all saw on Twitter, um, you know, a Chargers fan was actually complaining about it, you know, a little bit or kind of uh, giving Mahomes trouble for showing so much emotion after the win, kind of saying, you know, he, he's overreacting a little bit or, you know, I don't listen to that. That's obviously just a bad take, but just I, I just love to see it. I, I want my quarterback to be like that. Justin Herbert is kind of a soft spoken guy a little bit. I want my quarterback to be like Patrick Mahomes, man. I want him to be fired up all the time. And Mahomes always is. That's the best part about him. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are going back, back to Cala, California for our marinated takeaways <laughs> of the <laughs> Sorry, butchered that. The Chiefs and the Chargers, right? It was a huge win for, for Kansas City. Uh, 34 to 28 in overtime. Still hate the overtime rules, even though it benefited the Chiefs. The Chargers need to touch the football. I would have said yeah. the same thing if the Chargers won this game in overtime by a touchdown. Don't know why that isn't fixed. Don't know why the clock says 10 minutes at the beginning. Like, why is it not a full 15 minutes? You would have less ties. I'm not going to get into that. That that's a that's a marinated takeaway that has been oh, but brewing. You, but you for just did get into it. Years. I, I know. I keep <laughs> this is this is the first day of winter rabbit hole show. I keep get finding myself in these topics that I have more to say about that are it's not the topic at hand. Okay. Let's get into the marinated takeaways for Thursday night football. John, I'll start with you. What uh, jumps out now that maybe you've had a, a few days to think about this game? Well, uh this is another thing that I discovered while looking at the snap counts this morning. Um, you know, everybody thought the Chiefs are going to come out and run the ball in this game because the Chargers running defense was not very good. And it was seemed like an opportunity for the Chiefs to go out there and and put a lot of yards on the ground, uh, a lot of yards uh, rushing, rushing yeah. uh, with the with their running game and maybe get back to something, you know, more balanced. Well, that's not what happened. Seventy one percent of the Chiefs' plays were uh, <laughs> passing plays. And it's not the highest it's been all season, but it's the second highest. 
right and uh and much higher than it's been the last two games in week 13 and 14 it was 56% one week 47% another week meanwhile the chargers are at 50% they evenly divided their passing plays and their running plays and they were successful doing that I don't know. You know, Ron Kopp, uh, in his analysis yesterday, uh, said, you know, I don't know. Maybe we, we can't count on this for the Chiefs. And that might be right. But it doesn't make any sense to me. We've got on the offensive line guys who can play well enough to open up some holes for our running backs. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't we seeing some you know, eye formation stuff with Mahomes know. under center where we're just powering it down the middle. We have the beef to do that now. That's right. Why do we have to make it these RPO things that Mahomes is going to turn into passing plays because that's the way he's wired. You know, there should be some where we're doing traditional play action and, and it just gets me worked up. It, it bugs me that we don't have better balance and it doesn't have to be that much different. I'm not saying that it needs to be 50% every week. I'm not saying that at all. But when we go so far to the pass, I think it's not the best. I think it, it, it helps the other team defend against Mahomes. I think if we could run the ball more often and more effectively, the Chiefs would be in a better position to get the most out of Mahomes. That's just my two cents. <laughs> when you said the beef thing, I, I couldn't help but think for our older listeners about where's the beef? <laughs> If you're young, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, but, but, probably just as well. Yeah, forget about it. It's on the Chiefs' offensive line, which they're not using. I, I think that's a decent point, and you know, I continue to go back. Now, this game may be a little bit different. It's hard to just take, I think, this game in a microscope only because the Chiefs were trailing. You know, a lot of it. Right, right. That's late, part of so it. Absolutely. They felt yeah. like they had to throw it, and and that kind of skewed the numbers. Uh, my sure. first marinated takeaway is. So I think there's this fine line between Patrick Mahomes <clears throat> happy feet and Patrick Mahomes backyard ball. And yeah. what I think the Chiefs saw toward the end of last year was he was falling into the happy feet a little bit too much and they needed to correct it. The truth of the matter is he's his best when he's playing the backyard ball, which is what we saw at the end of the game like that that it was like Mahomes unleashed to me it was Mahomes not thinking and just using as athleticism and they sort of in a way it seemed like they needed him to go out and win the game and he did you know just that with the touchdown pass and the two-point conversion and um you know that that two-point conversion was like vintage pat yeah. I, I don't know where where you know he just extend 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 pass that no one in the world can make clear conversion right and and to me i i think the chiefs have a really big challenge with mahomes and this is probably what they've been going through all year and i, I think this game was a microcosm of like we need to get him to play in structure more that is mm -hmm. true but at the same time we can't lose that x factor which is also true and it's like how do you teach that i don't know mm -hmm. how you even get to that point but it seemed like this game was the closest that they have been like he stayed in structure when he needed to but when it was go time and they had to go get the w finally that old mahomes uh, shine through and uh, like i 
I think I'm saying microcosm because like that pass to McCole Hardman was in a sense, like maybe it's too much instruction. Like this is exactly how the play is supposed to run. Oh, I got to get it out. Got to get it out. But then he's, he's better when he's not playing within the play. So I, I don't know. I, I just rambled for a minute there, but I think you kind of get what I'm saying. <laughs> how confusing must it be for him and the coaching staff to have to kind of live in both worlds? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, this is this has clearly been the problem all season. You know, they've talked about it, how they need to take what's given to them, and Mahomes need to adjust needs to adjust to that concept and and put away his instincts. So this is, you know, they've talked about it all year. And the marinated takeaway I was about to bring up is in in line with this. And and then what we saw at the end of the game is what we want to be able to see that he's been able to play within the structure most of the time to keep the, you know, to, to keep things going, but be able to step out of it effortlessly and be the player that he was, uh, that had, that that he has been, uh, through the first, you know, three seasons of his career, uh, when he's, you know, blown everybody away and, you're right. This is a very difficult thing to cheat, teach, but you know, we've just been raving about how difficult it is for Andy Reed to teach his players to treat every game the same. If Reed is good, a good enough coach to do that, he's a good enough coach to train Patrick Mahomes to find that balance within himself. And I think on, on Thursday, we saw what that could look like down the road. And what that looks like is a very, very dangerous offense. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, you look at what they did yeah. in, what, four minutes of game time? Man. All right. We are up against it, so I'm going to do some speed takeaways here. I was at this game in L.A. Kansas City Chiefs fans travel well. And I'm starting to wonder how many fans are just growing up in other cities where they just like to watch Pat. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. getting a little bit of that Michael Jordan stuff. Because I, I think you're seeing and hearing Chiefs fans in every city. And that can't just be Chiefs fans going to every game. I mean, granted, I'm sure that a lot do, right? You find a way to travel. If you know someone in the area, you go to the game. But there were moments, especially at the end of that game, where the cheers were so loud for the Kansas City Chiefs. It almost felt like a home game. It kind of reminded me of like my going to Miami for what was the Super Bowl and just it sounded like arrowhead at moments. And I really felt mm-hmm. that way about SoFi. And then finally, my my last point here, I talked about how important Travis Kelsey was. Uh, in this game, I talked about Nick Bolton. I just want to commend the defense as a whole. We m- mentioned the three starters and the three key players that they were they're missing, and it wasn't a perfect outing. You expected them to give up points. Justin Herbert is the real deal. And I think what's really going to be is. interesting is I, I think this Herbert Staley thing is 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 the the Joker to Mahomes' Batman. I and I mm-hmm. and I think the way they play can be incredibly frustrating for what will be uh, the opposing defense going for it on five fourth downs and converting two, they convert one more. The Chargers probably win this game and they're going to be doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so this is going to be a maddening team to play. It's I project it to be worse than the Phillip rivers teams where you just couldn't stand Phillip rivers. This is going to be more annoying because Herbert is actually better than rivers in my opinion. And I, I think the way that Staley is going to have them going for it and seemingly you know, in a game where they make more than 50% of the fourth downs, they probably win the game. 
So you've heard out of structure, you've heard our marinated takeaways. Now we go to the great British Chief show as they take their first look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. Hi there and welcome back to the Great British Chiefs show with myself, Brad Simcox and Rocky Magania. The 671 Steelers have had a rough start to their 2021 campaign. But since having somewhat of a resurgence midway through the season, the last five games have been a mixed bag of fortune and disaster, having tied with the Lions and being blown out 41-10 by their AFC North rivals, the Bengals. But after the Steelers helped out the Chiefs in Week 15 by the beating the Titans... Could the Steelers end up gatecrashing the party at Arrowhead? Rocky, this is going to be one of those games. I I still feel hurt by the Steelers. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. From uh, you know the games years gone by, um, I still feel a, a grudge against the Steelers. I, I didn't last week. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't feel that, that grudge last week because I think they did us a favor, obviously, against the Titans. But it's kind of concerning to me now that they've managed to beat a team like the Titans. And um, yes, I know the Titans have obviously lost one of their big guys in, in Derek Henry, but the way that this, this week is going on, especially with all of the, you know, the players out with COVID or maybe out with COVID um, it, it kind of gives me a bit of an unease on this. What about you, mate? Yeah. I mean, anytime we play the Steelers, I'm never, you know, cocky. And I don't think we got this. And I think that is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, you know, residual from growing up and this, you know, and the Steelers kind of, kind of beaten us pretty handedly a few times. And we had a couple shots here and there where we would upset them, but every time we beat the Steelers, it was considered an upset and a big deal, you know, the Chiefs beat the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And now obviously the tables have turned um, and the Chiefs are by far on paper, the better team. Um, but like I said, a minute ago, the Steelers are playing for something and they're kind of backed into a corner and you don't ever want to come at, you know, a team when they're looking at that wild animal, look in their eyes, like they're playing like like their seasons on the line, especially obviously Ben Roethlisberger hasn't had that good of a season this year, but this is his final season and he's the leader in that locker room. And so you better believe that there's players on that team who are going to try to give everything they got to try to give Big Ben as good of an ending as possible. Yeah, they're uh, they're obviously in a, in a flying high at the minute, obviously, with that last game. I mean, the two previous games, I think they lost those, but they're now in this, um, you know, they're in the the, the positive mindset with, uh, with, with their win-loss percentage. And um, you can't really count them out because... They are. I mean, their defense is brilliant. Um, from what I've seen, I mean, the uh, the, the the defensive line seemed to rush um, uh, the Titans very easily. From what I saw, I mean, they were collapsing that pocket so with such ease. Um, and it's going to be a big test, I think, for the Chiefs' offensive line. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that has, you know, probably the best defensive player in football along their front four and TJ Watt. Yeah, And we're talking about a front four that's so good that Melvin Ingram couldn't get on the field against them. We're over here in Kansas City saying Melvin Ingram's a revelation for us. <laughs> and he's he's doing all these great things. And he's part of the reason why the defense has turned around and been so amazing. And he couldn't get on the field in Pittsburgh, whether it's a scheme issue or a personality thing or whatever was going on there. Um, it could have just been a talent thing. I mean, they they're really talented in their front four. And they got some guys who can really lay a thump, you know, yeah. on you. Um, they get a clean look at you. So it's, yeah, it's it's not necessarily 
a, a game that's just going to be a walk in the park. Melvin Ingram is definitely going to be up for this. It's it a good point. I actually completely missed that. I'm glad you've uh, you brought that up, actually, Rocky. Yeah, um, Melvin Ingram, he has been a bit of a revelation. Um, he he has brought that balance, hasn't he, to this uh, the defensive ends. Um, and it'd be good to see him and, and hopefully make a point in this game, I think. Um, just touching on what you were saying about TJ Watt, um, sack leaders on both teams. Uh, Chris Jones has got seven, who was our sack leader. TJ Watt has 17 and a half. That's how much of a threat this guy is, isn't he? Yeah, he has a whole season's worth of sacks more than our Already. highest guy. <laughs> and Chris Jones should probably have more if they hadn't, you know, we hadn't uh, experimented with him at defensive end so much early in the year. I think Jones's numbers might be a little bit higher. Um, but that's, you can't take anything away from TJ Watt. I mean, this guy, since he came in the league, has been, you know, an elite talent. You know, there's there's the whole Watt family, you know, are good football players, but TJ's given his older brother, JJ, a run for his money as the best, you know, pass rusher in the family. And I, I don't I don't have JJ Watt stats in front of me, but I don't even think during his best years, he, would, he rolled into this time of the year with 17 and a half sacks on his name. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a guy, he's a guy you got to double team every single play. He's a similar kind of player to uh, the, the likes of Nick Bosa, isn't he? He's such a just just such a phenomenon, um, and you've really got to kind of keep an eye on the guy. And I think the offensive line this is going to be a big test. Um, and and like we said before at the beginning of the show, the Steelers are that kind of team that you know one or two things that they have uh, that that go, that are, is going right for them can really be a devastating approach to uh, to, to obviously taking out the uh, you know Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs. Um, and really kind of scupper those plans. So really got to kind of watch TJ Watt on this. Um, I'm interested to see uh, where you think this is. This game is going to be won and lost. Um, there's there's clearly a lot of talent on both sides of the ball for both teams. Um, where do you see this this, this game going? Um, what, what's the strengths and what's the weaknesses of both teams on this? So it's interesting that both these teams have really strong defenses, right? But they use them kind of to different ends. The Chiefs defense is kind of they use the Chiefs use their defense to kind of make up for any mistakes that the offense might make. You know, if the offense is clicking, the defense is kind of irrelevant with Kansas City because their offense is so good. Yeah. But if the offense makes some mistakes, they rely on their on their really good defense to kind of make those crucial stops and get the ball back, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Steelers. They lean on their defense to keep the to keep the game close, regardless. Because if the Steelers can keep the game within one or two, one score or less, seven points or less, then they feel like they got a shot of kind of you know grinding and slugging and kind of you know it. It almost feels like like playing the Steelers is like hiking uphill the entire game. Yeah. And the Steelers are hiking uphill next to you, and they're saying, "Well, listen, all I got to do is get to the top of this hill before you." by one second faster i don't care if i beat you by one second or 10 minutes whatever i just got to get to the top of this hill and i know that i can get there you know one or two points quicker than you can you know and so it's it's going to come down to if the chiefs can really make the steelers defense pay um joe hayden is really great in the secondary for the steelers he's great in run defense but he's also a solid cover guy um if Kelsey can't go, that's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Kelsey, that's that's really, really, I hope 
that Kelsey can go. We all do, but more, more than anything, we want Kelsey to be healthy. But if he can go, then that's a night and day difference. If Kelsey doesn't go, then you got to look at who's going to make up that production. Um, is this going to be the Noah Gray game? You know? Uh, wow, well, yeah, it could be. You know, yeah. It could be. It could be. But it also could be the Miko Hardman 15 manufactured touch game, you know, <laughs> as well, if Kelsey can't go. And so I think that it's a lot depends on on the health of the players as the as the game progresses and we'll see how uh how our how our new kicker is going to fare because it doesn't sound like bucker is going to be able to to go this yeah. week yeah that's so. interesting actually um yeah the other the other kicker is elliot isn't it which uh it, it, yeah i can i can just feel the entire chief kingdom shuddering at the aim of elliot <laughs> he shall he who shall not be named yeah also also shared the name of elliot and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the kicker's first name might as well be Voldemort. <laughs> no, <laughs> according to Chiefs Kingdom, because I wish, I wish this guy nothing but the best. I hope he comes in and he fills in admirably, but there's a lot of uh, trepidation on the part of Chiefs Kingdom, I think. Look, COVID is taking over the league right now, and there are some teams that have been hit bad. The Chiefs had a hellacious week. This week, I mean, they went from at one point, fellas, on the on the COVID list, they had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, that would be enough. Blake Bell, Slick Mike Rimmers, Kyle Long, Lucas Niang, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, Rashad Fenton, Amani Watts. I mean, they had Charverius Ward, Harrison Butker. They had all... I mean, a roster full of it. I mean, not just a roster full, but theater. Really in, yeah, okay. Listen, we're not going to mention him. He's, uh, we're not mentioning practice squad, guys. He might have gotten time it. this week if he was yeah. available. But well, of course. The, and he the didn't. football gods just hate Gary Dieter. Yeah, yeah, sure they did. Um, but, I mean, they have a bunch of these guys out. Now, Chris Jones, Charvarius Ward. I don't know what Charvarius is on, but Charvarius Ward got cleared. Um, but right now they still have Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Blake Bell, uh, Kyle Long, Niang. They're out. Nick Bolton as well. Rashad Fenton and Harrison Butker. We know he's not he's not playing because he is uh, he is unvaccinated. But nobody's surprised if you follow Harry. Uh, Number one contender on the team. To be yeah, honest. ten ten days easy. If he f's this team over, I swear before God, Harrison Buckley. I mean, there should be some people in line. You ever see like the movie Airplane where they get, I, where they try to slap that guy? The guy said, "I speak Java." Like there should be a line ready for Harrison Bucker if it comes down to some kick with this this kicker they didn't pull it off. That's messed up. But I'm really upset. By the way, I, I need to I need to step in here for a second. Did you guys see Defoe's on this list? Oh God, yep. Yep. Darius Fountain. This was his My week, guy. man. This was his week. It this was setting it, up for him. Tyreek Hill out, Travis Kelsey out. They have like literally one tight end on the active roster right now. Darius Fountain was about to get legitimate it, playing time, and he's sitting on the practice squad ready to go. He pops up with COVID. Unbelievable, man. No, I hope no. I hope he ends up clearing through the protocol. I hope he's the one. 
Yeah, over probably, Hill. probably not. Over, yeah, over Tyreek Hill. That's a great if I could get point. one back, if I could if get, I one get one back, back, I would take Defoe. No, not eight, seven, not ten. No, eight, two, baby. That's that's who I want. That's who I want. Okay, all right. Let's not get let it get away from us. But look, I mean, the, the Chiefs. I mean, we don't think they're going to get a lot of these guys back. I mean, there's there's a real chance that they could be rolling out here without. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and in this time frame, uh, under the Aaron or uh, Pat Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes uh, partnership, they've never played without both of them. Right, the, uh, Tyreek has missed some time, but they've never had no Kelsey and no Tyreek Hill at the same time. And I'm going to be honest with you, in a sick, sadistic way, I'm kind of into this. I kind of want to see this, right? Like if, if, if I'm not going to say that, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that it is. I'm not going to, it's kind of turning me on a bit. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to say that if I had one to come back that I would pick Defoe, but I'm just saying if Tyreek and Kelsey weren't available in this game in a sick way, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of into seeing it because I'm going to tell you, I've said this before. My favorite thing in sports is to see greatness at the highest level displayed. And I kind of want to see what Patrick Mahomes looks like without having those two weapons before. Like, I've always considered BK Mahomes as a fixer. Like, there are certain quarterbacks that do things, and then there are fixers, that guys that can fix your bad defense and they can fix your bad offensive line. They can make enough plays where they fix things. And I believe Mahomes is that, but we've just never really had to see it. This would be a game against a team that is in playoff contention. This ain't them playing the Texans or the sorry-ass Jags. This is the Steelers. Like There's a team that is vying for the playoffs to play without Kelsey and Hill. I kind of want to see what he looks like and how – he plays and how he looks with Hardman, Pringle, and Robinson instead of those guys out there. I kind of want to see that, BK. I'm kind of into it. I'm intrigued to see what it looks like without those guys because at some point, like whether it be three years from now, five years from now, seven, who knows when it happens, but eventually he's going to have to play without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That's just going to be the reality for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes is going to be the one guy that remains. I want to see what that looks like. And I, I hope that we don't have to right now. It would be best for the Chiefs, both for their immediate future and for what the seating looks like in the postseason, yeah. for them to have both of those guys available for them on Sunday. But if they aren't able to play, I'm really intrigued to see what it looks I'm like. I'm into it. G- guys, I... I think this is the case. I don't think Mahomes has played a single game without Kelsey since he no. became the full-time starter in 2018. I'm pretty sure Kelsey has played in every game yeah. that Mahomes yeah. has played in since then. I mean, that in and of itself, like Kelsey's, he's the warm blanket that keeps you, or the blanket that keeps you warm at night. He's the guy that has been at any point in time, you need a third down conversion. Kelsey's there for you. You need a big play on, on second and 12 Kelsey's available to you. Even if it's just Kelsey that has to miss this game, that in and of itself is something that we just flat out haven't seen with Patrick Mahomes so far in his career. Yeah, but, but but see, but if it's both, see, because Hill can still dictate coverage. I mean, if you don't have both of them, 
Like it's it's really on him. And I'm like, I want to see his greatness sort of at full display. I really I'm 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 actually I'm actually getting charged up right now just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I'm not as juiced as you are uh, about the <laughs> idea of all of this. Like, I am curious. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I, I'm curious about how this plays out and what it looks like because, uh, yeah, we've never seen it. We've just never seen Patrick Mahomes without both of these dudes, both of these Hall of Fame caliber pass catchers. But it doesn't tell me anything about this team. Like, yeah, you know, we were talking about the Chiefs for weeks and weeks. Like, Oh, they keep catching breaks. This guy's not healthier. This guy didn't play. This guy's inactive. This guy left the game earlier, whatever. Like we were saying that because we were trying to learn something about the chiefs and who the chiefs really are. This game doesn't teach me anything about the chiefs. If those guys aren't available, it's just more like football curiosity. Like, okay, well let's see what Pat's got. Let's see what Pat can go do with Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson as his top pass catchers. No, I disagree. I think maybe you don't learn about the Chiefs per se, but I think you get to learn something about Patrick. Like you get to learn – like we we believe that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. We believe that he is this elite fixer guy that, hey, maybe you don't have to be, you know, a 100% – in every area of your team. But we just never really had to see it. Like, I mean, because he's always had 87 or 10. Like, we've never – he's always had 87, 10, and the best play caller and play designer since Bill Walsh, in my opinion, Andy Reid. Like, we've never had to see it, right? We feel like he could be. Like, we would say – like, I've I've heard a lot of people say this. Well, what would Patrick Mahomes look like if he was in Houston under Bill O'Brien like Deshaun was? But I always say, I mean, he's – He's the best quarterback in the league. I think he would function, right? I don't I don't know if he'd be as good as he has been because he's had all those pieces around him. But hell, if he had DeAndre Hopkins, I, I, I think he'd be all right. Andrew Orlando Brown was on the mic yesterday, and, and you could hear that on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on From the Podium, but he essentially said that T.J. Watt should have been the defensive player of the year the past two years. Remember, Brown had yeah. gone up against him as a member of the Ravens and saw right. him up close and personal, and I, I tend to think he actually will be the defensive player of the year this year, so the Chiefs will have to, to deal with that. We are going to get into the COVID stuff, and I, I want to get your reaction on that, but I, I want to ask you about the Steelers and the organizational picture as a whole. Are the Steelers looking at this final stretch as, okay, let's get Ben into the playoffs one more time and it'll be deemed a success, or is there a greater aspiration there? When he returned, it was the idea was let's send him off better Mm -hmm. than the image of him crying on the bench next to Marquise Pouncey after getting embarrassed at home in the wild card round by the little brother Browns. So that is the internal expectation for them in 2021. If you look at it that way, it's to win a playoff game. Now, maybe they would parse it and say to be competitive and not get embarrassed or blown out in a wild card game, but they have not won a playoff game in four years. If they don't win a playoff game this year, it'll be the longest drought without a playoff win for the Steelers in the modern era, going back to when Chuck Knoll was hired. I mean, that's the type of... You know, other organizations of five years might not seem like a big deal, but it is in Pittsburgh when winning is an institution and the standard is to be a Super Bowl contender. So when they brought Ben back this year, I think the formula was great defense, first round running back, 
let Ben manage the game. Maybe he's clutching a couple of fourth quarters and can turn back the clock here or there. But, you know, we'll try to win like 10 games, get into the playoffs. Maybe it's good enough to win the AFC North. Maybe it's not. But, hey, let's win a playoff game and see where it takes us from there. So that is what I think they wanted when the season started. Now, Pete, I feel like, you know, as watered down as the AFC North is, I think if they repeat as champion and they keep the other three teams out of the playoffs, if in Ben Roethlisberger's final season as a Steeler, if they make it in the other three teams with Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, with young quarterbacks in their prime, right. have to watch the Steelers' wild card weekend, I think that'll be enough to satisfy a lot of fans here and probably the organization as well. Interesting that you say that about the Steelers franchise, and, and it stuck, struck a chord with me because I, I ended up doing this deep dive on, on Clark Cunt and bringing the Andy Reid regime here after the Super Bowl win. And I remember one of the things that Clark Cunt, after what was the Scott Pioli disaster, was looking for was building an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who really, I think, over the last two decades been, in a sense, the definition of consistency. And I think a lot has to do with Mike Tomlin and, and keeping them good. And they're just one of these historic and proud franchises that, you know, I know a lot of people will say this about the Raiders and Chiefs fans won't agree, but when the Steelers are good, the NFL is is in better shape. And so to me, uh, that stands out. And I'm eager to see where, where the Steelers go after, you know, Big Ben kind of moves on with his life. And, and we'll see... Uh, how they respond to that. I want to talk about this game. I know that it'll be a big break for Steelers and, and Steelers fans if Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey don't go. I want to ask you about uh, the guy that appeared on the COVID list for you, inside linebacker Devin Bush. How big of a loss would that be for the defense? He's not one at all. Not He's one actually at all. been a liability for them. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of Steelers <laughs> fans think it's a, yeah. yeah, a lot of Steelers fans, when the news came out, you know, there wasn't a lot of sensitivity to it, and there was a ton right. of, like, this is addition by subtraction, which you kind of hate to see when we're dealing with a pandemic. But, right. you know, all things being equal, if we're just diagnosing this and analyzing it from a football perspective, you know, it's not a significant blow to their defense at all. And you might think from where you sit, Kansas City, Pete, oh, my God, like, this is a guy they traded up to get with the 10th pick in the draft. He right. should be like their Micah Parsons or Patrick Queen or one of those guys. He's not. He's been a total bust. He has, I think, the knee injury has affected him more mentally than it has physically. Uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, I've heard former players say, if I was a running back or an offensive player, you know, I, 80%, if I was questionable for a game, I'd get healthy to face him. Because he doesn't, he doesn't fight off blocks. He actually got benched at the end of the Titans game, and with the season on the line, uh, Mike Tomlin had him on the sideline. So, ideally, Pete, when they picked him, it right. was for a game like this. Yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. you've got Travis Kelsey out there. You want a sideline-to-sideline -side linebacker, somebody that has the speed and athleticism to match up with some of those guys. And that was the idea. That was the premise. And the execution has just been terrible. I don't think that they'll pick up his fifth-year option. If they do, it's because they're stubborn and they don't want to admit their mistake. Pittsburgh doesn't usually double down on those type of guys. I, I think that is a sign of a good organization where where you are able to cut your losses. So I am eager to see what happens with that situation. 
This is a question I ask every week on the Arrowhead Pride interview series. If you could name one underrated offensive player and one underrated defensive player that maybe Chiefs fans wouldn't know about that they should look out for in this game. Yeah, that's a good question. Man, it's hard to come up with anybody offensively because the Steelers' offense blows. I mean, it is about as anemic as it gets. They won a game with under 200 total yards last week. But you know what? I'll tell you, I think this is the best answer to that question, Pete, for their offense. If you don't watch the Steelers every week, and you just do what most football fans do, they're going to play your team on Sunday. You go to, like, their pro football reference page, and you just look at their, like, baseball card stats, their numbers. You might think Najee Harris is having a bad year. He's not. Mm. Their offensive line opens no holes. I've Mm. never seen a Steelers running back in my life look better averaging three yards a carry. I mean, he has to earn every single one of them. So he has the potential to be – now, I still don't like taking running backs in the first round, but he has the potential to be a great player. I don't know if he'll have longevity, but if they put a line behind him and a quarterback that can – move the ball downfield, he's going to be a real problem for teams as early as next year if the Steelers can get that figured out. And, you know, defensively, I'm going to still say Hayward because I don't think he gets gets the credit around the league that he deserves. I think that there's an acknowledgement that he's a very good player, that he's kind of a throwback, steeler, steel curtain type guy. Right. But... You know, they have lost Stephon Tuitt for personal reasons and Tyson Alualu, their nose tackle, to a torn ACL. And, yeah, their run defense stinks right now. But I can't – I mean, they would be – they'd be the worst defense in the NFL, even with Watt. If they didn't have Hayward, I think they would they would challenge the Jets for the honor of being the worst defense in the NFL. That's how much he means to them up front. <laughs> 